0: The Hammer Podcast will not be heard this month. In its place, we give you the following special presentation.
1: Legends of the Superheroes! For centuries, the world has been protected by a group of extraordinary men and women who have dedicated themselves to fighting crime.
0: Greetings, and welcome to Legends of the Superheroes, a production of TheHammerStrikes.com, where we explore the live-action appearances of your favorite comic book heroes. I'm Gene... I'm Chris, and I'm Mike, and tonight we're going to be covering what I personally consider to be the greatest superhero TV show of all time, The Incredible Hulk. I won't
1: disagree with that. <laughs> <laughs> Can't disagree with yeah, that. I mean... Oh, actually, I might be able to disagree with that.
0: Well, I can I can disagree with myself only in the fact of Linda Carter, but yeah. from when I remember watching the show when I was a kid, that was the be-all, end-all. Oh, Incredible Hulk's on, I'm in front of the television. And the the weird thing is, I don't remember how I discovered the show. I remember how I discovered. Well,
1: why don't you tell us how you discovered it? it. I remember that I I discovered it through an episode of Mister Rogers' Neighborhood. I love
0: that episode. That's my my <laughs> Where favorite. David Banner episode.
2: needed some work and was covering for. for uh... <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, the it land was, of
1: make believe was never uh, the same. <laughs> it was never the same. no. but uh, yeah, it was you know. Fred Rogers and I guess it was Mr. McFeely or whatever went and yeah. kind of went to the set of the uh, The Incredible Hulk. And I remember that one of the things I remember that fascinated me was the Lou Ferrigno getting his makeup put on.
0: Yeah. With the forehead and the nose and everything. That yeah. Was, that was great. It, you know, because as,
1: as that was, you never really ever get to see that. You know, you, you never got to see the behind the scenes stuff. And as a kid, that was insanely cool. Yeah.
2: I have a vague memory of that. My my introduction to this show, I had uh, aunts and uncles that were teenagers when I was young. Mm -hmm. You know, teenagers in early 20s and whatnot. When the show was on, or they grew up with the show, so they were big fans of it. So I always wound up watching reruns and probably even some first runs with them initially, and, and it was just, it was superhero stuff, so I think yeah. I, I, I was just into it.
0: Yeah, it's, it's one of the things, I, I think that show actually directly led me into comic books, because, and people who listen to my show know, my first ever comic book was an Incredible Hulk comic, and I believe, I don't remember, because it's one of those things where it was just always there, but I believe that my grandfather bought it for me, because he knew I was such a fan of the show. Yeah. So, as opposed to how you would normally think, oh, your comic character is on TV, it's, no, oh, your TV it characters in a It was the,
1: it was the opposite. Yeah. It was the opposite. It, yeah. The
2: other thing I remember going hand-in-hand hand with was uh, there was an Incredible Hulk cartoon. Yes. In the very early 80s that ran with the Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah,
0: I, I still love that cartoon, even with the cre- incredible reappearing clothes.
2: Yeah there, yeah, there was one of those... Early 80s, spotty, uh, that was that Hanna-Barbera mass-produced stuff. Yeah. (laughs) Where where things kind of got a little wacky.
0: Well, no, it wasn't Hanna-Barbera, it was Sunbow. Sunbow, that's right. Sunbow did all the Marvel stuff. Yeah.
2: Because they also did Spider-Man and his Amazing Friends. And
0: G.I. Joe. Did they do Transformers, too? I don't remember.
2: They might have, because there was definitely, I I know now we're talking about completely different shows, but there was a G.I. Joe-Transformers crossover Late in the Transformers run,
0: yes, I remember that. But anyway, back, back to the TV show. Answer,
2: now that I'm thinking about it, one of the episodes, of Incredible Hulk, I watched to prepare for this, had a Transformer on it. Oh, Scatman Crothers is in the My Favorite Magician episode with Ray Walston. Yes, it's always good to see Scatman Crothers in something.
0: Yes, and he always Maybe looks exactly the, best the voice same. In entertainment. Yes, he never aged. <laughs> no, I think he aged all at once and it just stayed that. Yes,
2: but from. <laughs> Like, one flew over a cuckoo's nest till whatever the last thing he made was, Twilight Zone or, 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 or whatever it was, he looked exactly the same. Yeah. But with uh, with going back, you know, it was a great show that I watched. You know, I loved watching as a kid. My only criticism probably of it as a kid was it didn't have the other superheroes on it. Right. Because, like, when Incredible Hulk showed up on Amazing Spider-Man or Iron Man showed up, that I always watched an episode of Hulk waiting for him to show up in the town that Spider-Man lived in, or Batman lived in, because I didn't know there was a difference back then. Right. When I was a kid, I didn't know there were two different worlds. They
0: were all superheroes. They, yeah, All superheroes. the action figures were the same size.
2: Yes, I was... There, there, there were standards back then. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> Three and three-quarter inches.
1: Not so much anymore.
2: <laughs> no, not, not, no, no more.
1: That's for another time.
2: But with going back and watching that pilot episode, I guess, I don't know if I ever saw it, or if I don't remember seeing it, with it being the two-parter... Mm. And I I guess the the classic introduction and and telling you the story and looking for the strength hidden inside of men, I always felt that was like a selfish thing. Like here was this weakling that wanted to be stronger. Oh, yeah. I I always thought it was a weird thing. And then seeing the pilot episode and finding out that his wife died in a car crash that he couldn't save her from because he couldn't lift up the, you know, open the door or lift up the car. And it added this pathos to the character, Mm -hmm. this, this, and that, that it made the Sad Walking Away song at the end means so much more.
1: Which I have a, I have a kind of a, a, a tangent on the Sad Walking Away song. When I was watching, I was kind of pre-gaming for this, ep- this show, and so I was watching a bunch of episodes last night, and my wife turns to me and she goes, the ending of these episodes are so sad. And I said, well, yeah, because he's got to walk away to the Sad Walking Away song. Yeah. You know, it's, it can't be joyous.
0: Well, the the show, you know. the show itself is really really melancholy because it really because is. every time you think he's getting that close to a cure like in in the uh, my favorite magician episode he's taking these injections and he's hoping you know after all this time he's going to f- actually get that cure and at the end it's well this didn't work maybe I'll try something else you know it's like every time even if he was that close to finding it in one episode there actually was a cure that the one guy threw against the wall, the vial smashed, and the cure was gone.
1: Yeah. You yeah. know,
0: it's not a happy program.
1: No, it really isn't.
2: And, and he makes the choice sometimes where he could cure himself or get closer to a cure, or if he has to help somebody, he always winds up choosing to help somebody right. and costing himself the, the piece of the cure. What I noticed through the first time, I watched around about the first ten episodes, Right in a row. And I I don't know if it carried over through the series. I I have a feeling it did. There's a very Jekyll and Hyde, Two-Face theme throughout it. And not just that David Banner becomes the Hulk, but most of the villains, at least especially in the first ten episodes, are devious, but not at first. Mm. They come off as a good-natured person. They don't come off necessarily as the villain. And then there's the twist. Right, Lonnie Anderson turned out to be a villain, and <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, and that was that was what I was gonna say was I was having fun with it watching the first handful of episodes and seeing people that I recognized, maybe not you know gi- that went on to become giant stars in you know film and TV, but people I recognized from other things. Like I think the second or actually that it would have been, I guess the the first episode after the two the two part, the, the, uh, the two the, technically the two pilots right yeah
2: the pilot um, movie i guess is the way and it then
1: the, and then the, there was another there was another two-parter episode was uh the the main i guess character that banner has to help in the episode is uh crease from karate Kid. yeah
0: mm. marty cove
1: marty cove and uh you know so it was a, it was kind of fun watching that and going oh i recognize you know I recognize them from, from this. I recognize them from that. So Death in the Family it had uh, Gerald McRaney in it. Yeah. You know, and it, for people that, is, you know, I knew him as Major Dad. Right. So it was kind of fun, you know, it was kind of fun seeing.
2: Mr. Feeney slash the voice of Kit was in an episode. Yeah. Of the Devil Doctor. Yeah. There, and, and actually, that was something else I picked up at, for it, too. It has, it, it, I feel that it deals with a lot of the, there's a lot of uh, bad doctors in it. Oh, yeah. Evil medical professionals.
1: Evil medical professionals. There's the episode at the zoo with the... Oh, yeah, you know, the, the the vets that are smuggling Mr. diamonds. Mr. Feeney is
2: a doctor that's yeah. giving the girl poison, mm-hmm. so the, the the stepmother can inherit the money. That, and that's
1: the episode with Jar, uh, with Jarl mcraney right? Okay, yes. Yeah, the two part. Well, you know, I'm
2: looking at him that whole episode, and I didn't know who, I didn't realize who he was. Yeah. Now that you say, yeah, he did and dad, that's, I, you know, it's it like I've seen him in a, sense, yes.
1: seen him in a bunch of bunch of different things. Well, I mean, I think
0: just from the the pilot on misuse of medicines in there because that's how David Banner got in this position is he misused medicine on himself because he, he was sick of waiting for results. And he said, okay, I, I have a theory. I'm going to take this injection. I'm going to crank up the gamma radiation, which he didn't realize. Apparently there's some, some maintenance guy who is able to tinker with medical stuff and, and, and increase it by a thousandfold, and that's what, how he ended up becoming the Hulk. Is he was the first technically evil doctor?
2: Yeah, yeah, and and there's always that underlying of he's working as a janitor or working at something, and he does run into the doctor, and he gets very condescending comments and reactions from these medical professionals. Every you know, time oh, he runs into something.
1: Oh, you're just the lowly janitor. How, yes, could, it, you know, how really, could you know this? Right.
2: It it really shows like what pricks doctors can be. Do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I
0: I don't know what drew me to the uh, the show so much as a kid, except for maybe like the one the one guy uh, Michael Bailey describes it as it's it's the porn reaction. You're, you're watching it for a specific thing, and in this case, it's waiting for him to Hulk out. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yes. Uh, well, and, and, and you're waiting for that, and then when the Hulk shows up, it's... I mean, it's, it's, it's a giant dude painted green.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And Farigno was such an impressive guy, physically, that... Still is. Still is, yeah. yes. Oh, yeah. And he could just capture the the attention.
0: Yeah, and I have to say, you know, for all... Any criticism of him or anything, the the man could mime. I mean, some of the acting he does as the Hulk, where he can't say a word, just his expression under all that makeup is still really, really good.
2: Yes, yeah, and and there's a lot, you can see the way he's, um, the way they portray the character being gentle with children, Mm -hmm. animals. Well, uh, kind of animals. He does in the first couple episodes. He does fight a bear and a gorilla. <laughs> <laughs> he
1: fight. He fight he, I was I was cracking up over the gorilla fight. I had to. Go back and show that to my wife last night, the gorilla fight. Yeah.
2: But then the gorilla fight, and then he hides out in the tiger. In the tiger habitat, pit. And, there's this, and he's petting. He's petting the, he's, double, the tiger cubs. He's, he's
1: petting a baby tiger. tiger. He's petting the baby tiger. <laughs> and then what I just thought was great about that was he gets up to leave, and the tiger's, as you know, as David Banner, Bill Bixby gets up to leave, and the tiger's like, no, don't don't leave. I was comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I still trying to
2: cuddle with him. But in, in, in watching those things, I would kind of get, I, I'd run my own inner monologue of Hulk type of comments. <laughs> like, Hulk like kitty cat. Hulk, though, <laughs> <laughs> Hulk no like silly monkey. Hulk. Yeah,
0: yeah. And, you know, we're tangenting again, but I have to point out that Ferrigno was able to do the voice of the Hulk later on in his career. In the 90s cartoon, he was the voice of the Incredible Hulk. Really? Yeah. Yes. I did not know and, that. And
2: I think he does some of the voice stuff now for the Avengers Hulk, the... Live action Hulk, the new live action Marvel oh. Films Hulk. Oh, the Mark oh.
0: Ruffalo Hulk.
2: <laughs> the Mark Ruffalo Hulk. He's doing some voice stuff for that, some of the growls Ooh. and grunts. And okay.
0: stuff. Well, that makes sense.
2: I, I did a little bit of research with this original series. The growls and the grunts were Ted Cassidy. Yes. In the first season of Adam's Family fame, Lurch from Adam's Family, who's also the guy that does the narration. Right. And then he passed away, and they replaced him with. Oh, I'm not going to remember his name. He always plays the. Crooked cop, or prison warden, or evil general—that
0: <laughs> could be a number of people. Most of them
2: British. <laughs> no, he's a Southern guy. Ah. It's the uh, yeah. When you can't get a British guy, you get the uh, you get the Southern guy to be the real. Uh, should I know? I should have wrote mean, this down.
1: You guys keep talking. Let me see if I can find it. Yes.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. His name too, and it's just escaping me.
1: Charles Napier. Yes, okay. Charles
2: Napier. Who was the villain in, not the villain, but he was the head of the CIA in Rambo with Marty Cove.
0: Yes. Mm -hmm. Right, yes. And uh, Lou Ferrigno, bit of trivia, was not the Hulk in the entire show. Right. In one scene in the pilot, the original actor cast to play the Hulk is in it. Richard Keel.
2: Richard Keel from Jaws from James Bond. Yes. Or anybody younger anybody uh, younger than us knows him as the very tall guy from Happy Gilmore.
1: Yes.
0: Jaws from James Bond, (laughs) (laughs) but the reason that he that they cast Ferigno instead is while Keel was tall enough, he wasn't big.
1: He wasn't built enough. He was
0: thin. So then they went and they went with Ferrigno, who is. Not as tall, but he is about five times as wide.
1: Yeah, and that w- that was one of the things that I w- I, w- I was kind of laughing at over the you know handful of episodes I w- I did watch was they kept referring to the Hulk as over seven and a half feet tall, mm-hmm. and I'm like, uh, there's a little bit of a s- suspension of disbelief there, you know. Well,
0: in the first part of the first season, at least, I don't know if it carried all the way through. Is they tried to do a forced perspective with, for example- yeah. Yeah. You know, and then they realized this but is damn expensive. <laughs>
1: yeah. You know, and not only yeah. that, but then he's, you know, he's fighting somebody that's, you know, six feet tall and he's...
2: They could have had him throw midgets around in the 70s. He could get away with that. <laughs> <laughs> I know uh, one of the other guys that was a lead in getting the role that didn't get it was Schwarzenegger and he didn't get it because he wasn't tall enough.
0: Right. That would have been weird. That would have been weird.
2: It definitely would have been different. I, mean, yeah. I you know, it still would have worked and it would have been interesting to see... Schwarzenegger, I'm sure, would have had the same career and it would have just minimalized Ferrigno's career.
1: Yeah. yeah. Or, you know, Schwarzenegger could have gone on to play the Hulk and Ferrigno could have gone on to play Conan. Who knows, you know? Yeah.
2: Well, Ferrigno did that, that, the, 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 that god awful Hercules movie. <laughs> yes,
1: yes. <laughs> Ferrigno could have gone on to become governor of California. You never and know.
2: I, I think Ferrigno works better as the Hulk because Ferrigno, as a Person comes off as more sympathetic than Schwarzenegger did.
0: Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah.
2: Like if, uh, and, and I'm using the reference point of Pumping Iron, right? The bodybuilder documentary where they're competing for, they're getting ready to compete for Mr. Olympia, and Ferigno's the young guy coming in. Schwarzenegger's the established guy, but in the documentary, they show Schwarzenegger as being a prick to Ferigno and teasing him to kind of. Take his head out of the game, you know. Be in competition, mm-hmm. yeah. And, and and that bodybuilding world, like any athletic world, those guys try and get in each other's head. But through that documentary, you get a a, a feel that Ferrigno come, you know, comes off as a, a gentler man, as a, as a sympathetic guy. You know, aside from the being deaf thing and the hand, you know overcoming that handicap. Yeah, he has. Uh, you know, there, there's things that come through in his personality that conveys that childlike. I don't know if innocence is the right word. Those aspects of the Hulk, the sympathetic parts of
1: the Hulk. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, there was very there's very much in a in a handful of the episodes that I watch there's very much that, that kind of Frankenstein's type, you know, type thing where there's one episode we mentioned with the with the evil vets, he comes upon a girl like feeding the elephants, and it just it kinda of was like Frankenstein with the The little you know, girl. The little girl. Yeah. Yes. And that, that just worked out, it, you know. He he, what's the word I'm looking for? He expresses that sympathy, I guess. Yeah, well, he, he goes very he well. He goes up
0: to her, and she's yeah. She just treats him like a person.
1: Yeah, and then the mother comes. The mother comes along and starts screaming and kind of chases him away. Right,
0: but and in the, I'm sorry, uh, I was going to say, any time that someone interacts with him as, on a normal level, like in the my favorite magician. Banner hulks out on stage, and people, oh, it's great! It's a wonderful performance, and all this. And two people afterwards see the Hulk in an alley, and say, oh, can we get your picture? You know, yeah. and he, he's just standing there looking at him like, are you nuts?
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: And they take the picture. The flash goes off. The Hulk runs away, and all this. But any time that they're just acting with him on a like you would see someone, oh, he's green, but so what then the Hulk is fine. He may be yeah, a little confused.
2: That was, that was one of the things that carried over. You know, the show was very different from the comic book. Right. But that was one of the things that carried over, that the Hulk, if he left him alone or were nice to him, he wasn't going to smash it.
0: Mm-hmm. Which is where the Hulk-just-wants-to-be-left-alone line comes from. Yeah.
2: Yes. Yes
1: but then you know if everybody left the hulk alone we wouldn't have had a show exactly
0: yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's interesting though seeing seeing the progression and i didn't watch everything i watched some of the first some of the you know jumped around but watching in the first season especially early he's still acting like he's a doctor yeah he's going to pretend he isn't but like in the one with major dad he's oh you know do you know what what that drug actually is, because, you know, the, the label says one thing, but that drug's this color, and you're giving her something that's this color, and so he's still doing his medical knowledge. The further in you get, he starts trying to dumb it down starts trying to say, oh well, you know, I I don't know anything about this while he's doing stuff on the side, but he doesn't come yeah. out and say it. He's he's trying to hide his identity better, I think.
1: Well, you figure, you know, in the, in the first, you know, first season, he's just kind of he's he's newly on the run, mm-hmm. and, you know.
2: Now, did Bixby take over directing episodes towards the end of that?
0: I think towards the middle, actually. Towards the middle, yeah. Well, it was what
2: was it? Four seasons, five seasons, five, five seasons,
1: five, five seasons. seasons. So season 5 was kind of abbreviated, but... Uh, yeah.
2: But they had a writer's strike or something at that I point in the so. early yeah. 80s. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah,
0: but that's the the Mr. Rogers episode. Bixby is the director yeah. on that. Yeah.
2: And I think he directed the, the television movies.
0: Maybe. I'm not sure. I'm not, not entirely sure. Now, since, since you brought it up, what did you guys think of the television movies?
1: Um, uh, he the, directed... Uh, I'm, I'm just going to my notes. Okay. He directed The Trial of the Incredible Hulk... And the death of The Incredible Which Hulk. Which would be the second okay, so and third one. Do, the uh, second one. Nicholas Cora uh, did The Incredible Hulk Returns.
2: I'm looking at IMDb for it, and it says Nicholas Cora and Bill Bixby directed it, but we're splitting hairs at that point. Yeah, yeah I mean, this one
1: I, I, I'm just seeing on the notes that I have, but, you know.
2: That, that was 1988, Return of the Incredible Hulk, The you know, bringing the series back. Mm-hmm. With, with the television movie. Which, and and there was nothing about it other than there was going to be an Incredible Hulk movie. Right.
1: And that yeah. was when it went from CBS to NBC because it, its original run was on CBS and then they got the right they bought the rights from CBS. Okay. NBC bought the rights uh-huh. to, to do the movies.
2: And uh, I can remember watching the movie and I think it started late. You know, I, I want to say it started like 9 o'clock. I was still in like junior high. Mm-hmm. So if it started 9 o'clock, I was in bed by 10. I watched the first part of the movie. They started introducing the characters. And I think I just got up to, I'm Donald Blake, who I wasn't 100% sure who he was. Right. But then with the hammer and Thor showing up, I was the happiest little kid in the world. (laughs) Oh, no kidding.
1: Yeah. And that was was what was kind of cool about the movies, was they were starting to kind of introduce other characters from the Marvel Universe, where the trial of the Incredible Hulk was Matt Murdock, Daredevil.
0: And his super motorcycle. Yes. Oh, wait, wrong show. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I
2: have the complete... When, when you're ready to do Street Hawk, I have the complete run of Street nice. Hawk. Nice. <laughs> in a pile of DVDs.
0: <laughs> I have
2: all, almost all the super-powered vehicle TV shows.
0: Yeah, when I was a kid, that was always my dream, that Street Hawk, Knight Rider, and Airwolf would have a crossover movie. Right. That would have been so awesome. <laughs> and Highwaymen. Oh yeah,
2: that was Flash Gordon and a superpower powered tractor trailer, <laughs> yes. with the guy from the Energizer, the Australian guy from the Energizer's commercial. Now we're really uh, ourselves. Yeah, <laughs> now we're real. Yeah, <laughs> some old ass oh. '80s stuff. Yeah, but uh, the 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 Thor appearance was great. They did some great stuff with that.
0: Yeah, that worked out really well. That you know wasn't the you know Red Cape Thor, but it it worked in the context of that universe. Yeah, yeah.
2: And then Daredevil was a little different. He was in kind of a black ninja costume. But the Daredevil appearance, they also had Kingpin in that episode. Yeah, yeah. John yeah. Ray davies played Kingpin. And they, they were, were definitely kind of, maybe we'll spin a pilot off of this. And I do remember reading something. Wizard might have just started around then. So there were articles in the magazine about those shows. Right. The the Hulk movies and there was some talk about almost a Marvel Comics Presents TV show, mm-hmm. where one week you'd get the Hulk, one week you'd get Thor, one week you'd get Daredevil, or, you know, a crossover, you know, two of the characters doing something together.
0: Yeah, because those movies had, they they always ended with, and this hero is now going to go on to do other adventures, why don't you watch yes. them?
1: Yeah.
2: And, and the Death of the Incredible Hulk actually replay. initially they were going to do, um... They're going to introduce She-Hulk. Okay. Uh, they did Death of Incredible Hulk instead, and then they were going to revive it, do She-Hulk, and give the Hulk uh, Banner's intelligence. Let Lou Ferrigno talk in a, in a, in a follow-up movie. Okay. And I think uh, Bixby's health yeah, was... Bixby, uh,
1: Bixby, before they got the, the, the fourth movie out, Bixby had passed away.
2: Yeah. But there was a lot of fun potential there for that Marvel Universe to be on live television. We only got... We Hulk, only had to, Thor, and Daredevil yeah. out of it.
1: We only had to wait, what, 20 years for that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> but the potential
0: was there. But the potential was there. <laughs> and are you guys aware that this TV show is the directly responsible for the creation of She-Hulk?
2: Yes, I did read that in, 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 in a little bit of the research that I was doing. Mm-hmm. That they were going to introduce a female Hulk character, and Marvel wanted to crank cranked out the She-Hulk character quickly, so they would own the rights to it, and not and the television studio right. would not
0: because the Bionic Woman was owned by the TV studio, not the creator of the book series that the Six Million Dollar Man was based off of. Really? Yeah, that's that's why Stanley did it because even though the Bionic Woman has the same eye, the same ear, the the legs, the arm, it's derivative. Well, she had the
2: ear, he had the leg, he had the eye. Yeah, yeah, but and then it was arms and and legs, but. It's Ed based her, It's based on,
0: on that character, but because the studio created a new character, they owned the rights and didn't have to pay the guy. And Stan Lee saw that and said, hell no, and Quick wrote the She-Hulk, and there it is. Yeah. But the She-Hulk, the original comic, is actually where she first appears. I believe he's referred to as David in the comic.
1: Hmm, which is
0: interesting. Yeah, all this... Well, at that point, they were, they,
2: they were really trying to tie it all in.
0: Yeah, because it didn't have, like, the, the covers, you know, from your favorite TV show or something like that on the covers of the Hulk comic at the time.
2: Right. And it was kind of odd that the CBS had Hulk and Wonder Woman both running at the same time. They were back-to-back. You know, I guess in retrospect, when you realize it's a, a Marvel character and a DC character right. on the same network, on the same night. And then apparently, I guess, that Spider-Man series that ran... Which got never never really got picked up. I read recently that one of the reasons they didn't pick it up was because they didn't want to be three superhero shows deep on CBS.
0: Now you have people fighting over how yeah, many that, superhero how, shows how, they how you're, have. You're tripping over them.
2: Yeah. yeah, now we're lousy with them.
0: <laughs> yeah, and I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy. I can't beat it. I'm not going <laughs> to watch all action, of them, but I like them.
2: Serious <laughs> TV shows. <laughs> you know, and and I think. Going with a, a keeping the Hulk kind of a the dour tone and keeping it serious definitely helped the series. Because if they made it too kid friendly or too goofy, mm-hmm. it wouldn't have lasted at all. Yeah, because if not it's, at all. If it had any type of camp in it, it would have just destroyed the whole concept of it. And, and when, once you start to be silly, when there's a big guy painted green,
0: you right? Yeah, you, you have you have to believe that is real, or the the show doesn't work. Yeah, right. yeah. It's like Looney Tunes. I, I've used this analogy a lot recently, but The Incredible Hulk is one of those shows that you can watch as a kid and get a kick out of the Hulk throwing people around and then watching as an adult and just realize how much David Banner is dying inside every time he has to leave something. Like the one I watched this tonight right before we we got on was it was called sideshow and he ends up in a carnival kind of thing and he's helping this one mentalist woman and they're getting hot and heavy yeah and at the end because the hulk was seen by everybody he has to leave and you can just the look on his face he's smiling but you can see in the eyes it's killing him to walk away from her
2: yeah yeah, he starts to find that happiness in, it, in in a lot of those episodes and then has to give it up.
0: Yeah, and it's just, it, it works so well for all different ages. That's that's why the thing lasted so long, I think.
2: And you could almost say that the series is a metaphor kind of for somebody with an addiction. Yeah. For, for uh, an alcoholic cool. or a drug addict where a guy finds that moment and gets himself together and he has these pieces of clarity that everything is going well in his life and with this it's you know a physical attack and anger that brings it out but like a an alcoholic that then falls off the wagon and wrecks everything that he has and has to leave you Mm -hmm. know has to has to start all over again and 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 it's that with it was literally a day-by-day thing with him where he would have to go and start a new life somewhere else because of who he was and what he had made of, of himself.
0: I never really thought about it
1: that way. That's, yeah, that's I mean, brilliant. That is. that is. And I was, I was a little worried coming into this because I hadn't seen the show in 30 years at least. And it had been sitting in my Netflix queue since mm-hmm. I saw that it was on Netflix. And I'm like, ah, I want to watch this again. And this gave me an excuse to watch it. And I was worried going in because I, I was like, how is this going to hold up? Yeah. I Surprisingly felt the same well. Yeah. Surprising, so, well,
2: my, you know, I would every once in a while it would run on Sci-Fi Network or something. I'd catch a little piece of it and watch it here and there. But my strongest memories is kind of Lou Ferrigno throwing stunt men through uh, through walls, breakaway and, doors, and, right. and stuff. Yeah, right.
1: wrestle on a guy in a gorilla suit. You know.
2: Yeah. Yes.
0: Yeah, but when we had first talked about doing this, that's why I went back and I rewatched the pilot. And you could put that on TV today, and it works. oh, absolutely. It's, absolutely, it's great how well that holds up.
2: Yes, the story that's told in the pilot is 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 a great story. You know, it was definitely, a, and I think it was one of those things where they took a shot of we made a movie, and they did such a good job with it that it generated the series. Right? Yeah. You know, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just
0: going to say, every, everything you need is in in that opener, and it for me it works better than the comics, than the comic origin, because the comic origin, whether it's a gamma bomb, a gamma reactor, whatever, it's all it's all happenstance that Banner gets turned into the Hulk. Whereas this it's something he it's was kind
1: of it's by his own hand.
0: He, yeah, it's by his own hand, and it's because he was so obsessed. You yeah. see in that pilot that he is irrationally obsessed with finding yeah. this answer. And oh, that, it's
2: definitely a stronger origin for that element of the character. Right. And that's with uh with the first Hulk movie, the Angley directed Hulk movie, the Eric Bana one. Mm-hmm. The uh, Nick Nolte's character is that obsessed nineteen seventies David Banner, right? And and the Eric Bana character is closer to your comic book Hulk, where the two guy, you know, and 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 that movie, even though it's not great, it tries to lend to pull a little bit from both the series and the comic book, mm-hmm. and misfires. Where the second movie with Ed Norton. Does a better job of pulling from both, but making it a more interesting movie.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that that movie, the the Ed Norton movie, that was just such a love letter to this show that it's amazing. I mean, from the, the how he became the Hulk to him going and oh, I'm Bruce. This is my last name beginning with B. Yeah. Thing, you know, and he's working as a maintenance guy. It's like whoever. I don't know too much of the story behind it which is bad. I normally watch all that stuff. But it's like that. whoever made that movie just said, I love this show. That's the movie we're making.
2: They made it, and it's for both. That movie is both for the comic book fans and the fans of the TV show. Yeah. Where there were definitely elements that they tried to do in the Ang Lee one, but it went into too much of the dark psychological aspects of it that it wasn't the superhero movie people wanted to see.
0: Yeah, it, it was it was too much the tortured little kid acting out kind of background of the Hulk, which
1: I c- which is why I think I think why that movie is just called Hulk because it, there's nothing incredible about it. <laughs> Very good point.
2: <laughs> Foresight. Now, on a on a, uh, a a less serious note, I guess for for the Hulk and the legacy of the Hulk, that one of the things that the TV show created almost by accident. Lou Ferrigno was doing talk shows promoting the show, mm-hmm. and he appeared on some morning talk show. And there was also a uh, the professional wrestler Terry Bollea was on at the same time. And here's Ferrigno standing next to Terry Bollea. And Bollea had just showed up in WWF, and they had given him the Irish name, the Irish last name of Hogan, and he was going to be Terry Hogan. And the guy on the talk show said. No, look at you man you're you're, you're bigger than the hulk <laughs> and, and the goes, rest, well oh, that's who i am i'm, I'm, I'm the hulk <laughs>
1: <laughs> the rest is history
2: I'm, I'm the real hulk and terry hogan became hulk hogan and the the golden age of wrestling was created yes because of the incredible hulk television show and that's the and and, and if you look at the hulk hogan character he comes out and he tears his shirt off
0: yeah. And he flexes and does the, the growl and when, on it. Everything.
1: When he gets beat up, he hulks up. Yeah. He
2: gets, he gets angry he and gets
1: angry, you know, that he gets he gets he gets angry, he gets stronger.
2: And that's why for years and I think they still do, Marvel owns a piece of Hulk Hogan yes, and his too. name. Yes, that's they why do. they would try and call him Hollywood Hogan and call him different things mm-hmm. so they didn't have to pay Marvel out every time they used the word Hulk. Right. Because it wasn't just the, the word Hulk, it was a proper name, and that character was a homage, parody, ripoff of Lou Ferrigno's Hulk.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: So maybe it is the most important TV show ever.
1: <laughs> it might be. It really it yeah. might be. It really well, second, be.
2: Star Trek, I would say Star Trek is the most important TV show ever. <laughs> And then after that, maybe it's the Hulk. Because Star Trek invented all kinds of the... Every every nerd that watched Star Trek in the 60s then invented computers and cell phones and... And
1: And allows us to do this today. Yes. Exactly.
2: And the Incredible Hulk show gave us Hulk Hogan and and an hysterical family guy bit.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, for us, the three of us specifically, I think both Star Trek and The Incredible Hulk ended
1: up forming most of our lives. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it really did kind of get us get us all to this point. Yeah.
2: Well, we kind of had a, a golden age of fun action TV shows in that age group, that late 70s, early 80s television, because you, we had Hulk, we had Wonder Woman, we had Star Trek reruns, of course, and Batman right. reruns, you know, come, stuff coming out of the 60s. But then... Battlestar Galactica, Buck Rogers, all, all, all the shows that I'm sure you're planning on talking about <laughs> on your thing. Yes. And it was all that time period. I do remember hitting a point in the 90s with television, and I'm like, where are the fun action TV shows?
0: Yeah, the, the TV shows where you could fire five million bullets and no one person actually gets hit. But you didn't yeah. care, yeah. You know the A teams, the A-team, Night Riders, where a
2: car flips over and both guys get out on the side. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the bad guys get out the side and dust themselves off and
0: shake their fish and run. Yeah, it wasn't realistic,
2: but. Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? It was
1: fun. And we, we've kind of we kind of lost that for a while. I think we're starting to get it back a little bit.
2: Yeah. Oh, definitely. I think there's a lot of fun action shows now. You know, we have a Marvel show. We have a couple of DCs. There's going to be three DC shows on this fall.
1: We're getting two, a, uh,
2: a quasi-Batman show, a Green mm-hmm. Arrow show, and a Flash show. Now, with the other, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in this genre of the, the, the superhero show, and now we know that with the Netflix is doing... Iron De- Fist, Daredevil. Man, Daredevil, some of the street-level heroes. In you guys' opinion, what hero do you think is good for a TV show that might not be able to necessarily carry a movie that...
0: Uh. I would say really any depending on the type of show, like what the mood of the show is. Probably more of the street level heroes would be better on a, a TV yeah, thing. Yeah. You know, less galactic importance and more uh, like Equalizer kind of shows. You know, they have to come in and help the the little guy because you know all other avenues have failed. You know, and I think you know Daredevil. Power Man, Iron Fist, those those are perfect for that kind of thing, especially if what I heard is, is true and they're putting Daredevil in the 70s. I've,
1: yeah, I've heard that. I don't know. I, I want to see
0: the, the Power Man show in the 70s. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, that, that would be ideal. Yeah,
2: that would be a lot of fun with those shows. But, you know,
1: the, the, the problem that that runs into is how do you cross them over if they intend at some point to cross them over – with the mainstream shows of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the, what, throw them in the movies.
2: What, what I have a feeling the- that they're going to do is they're going to set it modern time but give it a distinct 70s television show feel. Okay. okay. Yeah. You know, a grittier could- crime drama, you know, something that, uh, you know, that that 70s dirty New York is one of the best characters ever in film.
0: Yes, Okay. Yeah. So you you would end up with Daredevil, kind of kind of like in a Hill Street Blues kind of
1: setting. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I, I okay. could I could definitely be down with that. That could work very very where, well. Where,
2: where, where you get that vibe of being in the city, mm-hmm. where you know there, there there there's an interesting thing about being in New York City at night and the the sounds that nobody people don't have screens on their windows in New York. Mm-hmm. Because there's no bugs in the city. Right. Not the way that we have bugs in the suburbs. And I was amazed. I, I was house-sitting at an apartment. We were watching a cat, and we opened these windows, and I'm like, they don't have screens. And I'm like, I guess they don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> and just being close to Times Square and having that that drum of life outside and it that vibe, that, that heartbeat of the city, if that Daredevil show can capture any of that, that's what's going to make it work mm-hmm. and that the, the, that early 80s point in Daredevil was the greatest point of the in in the run of the comic the Frank Miller stuff Oh, yeah. I think uh, we... I, I know we talked about on the Ninjaverse podcast, we talked about if they brought Blade back as a series. Mm. You know, that kind of worked.
0: You know, they, they could even bring back not necessarily just Blade. They could do the whole... What the hell was the name of the group?
1: Spirits of Vengeance. No,
0: no. no that that, that was, was... It was Darkstalkers? Was that it? Darkhold? Darkstalkers? Yeah, Dark... but it, it was with yeah. the the vampire, private detective, Blade, The in the... Von Helsing uh, Descendant Inventor Yeah, yes. that's
1: right I was, think, I was thinking The Ghost Rider group
2: No, that was the one With uh, Hannibal King
0: Yeah, Hannibal was, King Was the vampire Yeah Yes
2: Who's was portrayed By Ryan Reynolds Who plays every third superhero <laughs> <laughs>
0: But that That uh, little niche May have already been Taken over by Constantine Yeah I'm Yeah, they, they, Constantine. they might
2: try And stay away from that Because that kind of Gets into Supernatural And Constantine Yeah and and you'd be making the same show that you already have two versions of. Even Grimm is kind of like that.
0: Yeah. It it all depends on how you handle it. I mean, if, if you do it less, like, Constantine's going to be ultra-violent, if the comic is any indication. <laughs> if you go more on not campy, but less actual violence, like, you guys remember that Dracula TV show from the 90s where Dracula was a businessman named Alexander Lucard?
1: I don't know, I I don't know if I remember that.
2: Yeah, I don't know if I know that one. I remember the werewolf series from the 90s. I think you're yeah. making it up. <laughs> <laughs> I think
1: it was
0: one of those USA shows.
2: Oh yes, the you old know? school uh, syndicated cable television.
0: It was only around a season or something, but that it wasn't violent, but it had that that intensity. Like any time you saw Dracula, it was like, oh crap, what's he gonna do? But I don't think they showed one drop of blood. Right. On a vampire show. Right. You know, you could do it. You could, With good writing, you could do it.
2: Now, with this, you know, with these Marvel Netflix shows that are coming up and being in New York and trying to go for that 70s feel, if they could get Mark Ruffalo just to show up as Bruce Banner, not even turn into the Hulk, but yeah. just one of those... Just a he's cameo. working under an assumed name. Mm-hmm. Just a little cameo, and he's there, and he acts as Bruce Banner, and he leaves before you know anything happens.
1: And I, I don't think that's out of the question. Yeah, I really don't. I especially with the way you know Sam Jackson's shown up, shown up in Shield.
0: Yeah, yeah, the way he, they worked him in. You know, it made a lot of sense because no- with that show, normally the director wouldn't necessarily be involved because it's this offshoot group, and he managed to get himself
1: in. You know, even if even if it's you know a thirty second cameo at the end of an episode, you know, a yeah. little stinger at the end of the episode, and he, you know, it's it's kind of nice to be able to tie everything together. And I think you know having Ruffalo show up an episode and and really not be Hulk, just be just be Banner, right? Yeah, I think would same be, thing would with
2: be Robert Downey Jr. showing up briefly as Tony Stark and not Iron Man.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: they have a lot of leeway now that they've connected those two worlds. Yes, of the, the, really the television nice. and the movie world, and it makes it makes for a lot of fun. Possibility, Possibilities, Possibilities. Yeah. yeah. And you're getting a weekly dose of your movie characters almost.
0: Yeah, and it, it was really nice, at least with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., where they did the build-up to Winter Soldier. And if, if you watched Winter Soldier cold, you were fine. Mm. But if you watched Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., you knew something was going on. You know, there, there was something in the background in S.H.I.E.L.D. going on. You didn't know what. So, it, it just adds this this layer to it. It's like if you read The Avengers, read the comic book from the time period that I like, you know, 80s, and Captain America's in it, and he's, you know, he just makes an offhand comment, and you got the letters editor's box, see what he's talking about, go here. But it doesn't stop you from enjoying that comic you're yeah, reading. Yeah. Right, but yes. if you had read the other stuff. You would have said, ah, okay, that's what he's talking about. You know, it's the same thing. This, you know, the TV shows and the movies, you can enjoy them each individually, but if you see all of it, then you have such a, a much richer tapestry to work with. And that's where, yeah. Oh, yeah. To, and to bring it back to the actual topic of the show, that's what Marvel seemed to be laying the groundwork with, with the, the TV movies,
1: yeah, where they were starting to introduce those characters, you know, Thor yeah. and Daredevil and, and Kingpin and all that, and uh, you know, we could have had this. We really could have had this. You know, what we have today, twenty years ago.
2: Yeah,
0: but then you would have had that weird Iron Man suit.
1: Yeah.
2: What is that weird Iron Man suit from? I see that picture, and I remember <laughs> seeing that years ago. What I, is it? I don't. It rem- was a movie, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. It was. It was like a TV movie.
2: A TV movie, and for some reason, I remember it being like distinctly Canadian.
1: Google is my friend. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh, yeah, I I don't, I don't uh, like.
2: Know. I don't know if it was necessarily called Iron Man or, but I keep seeing that picture where he's like a he looks like a fifty five gallon drum with legs. <laughs> yes,
0: which was kind of the original Mark One armor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, in in a certain point of view. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> when was that from? Like around.
0: What do you mean the, the... the like
1: the time frame? Do you know?
0: Oh, I I don't. I just I just remember seeing seeing the clip. I don't remember where where. Maybe
2: it, actually it was something that in.
1: 1978. Really?
2: Yeah. And what was it? It was a TV show. It was a movie. It, it
1: was it was a movie. It was an it, it was an <laughs> Avengers movie.
0: Are Are you sure you're not looking at the fan made thing?
1: Maybe. Oh, I'm seeing a bunch of stuff that says Avengers trailer from the 70s is fantastically yeah. awful. Is that a fan? That, made that's movie?
0: a fan. Ma- that's a mashup of. That Iron Man thing, the Captain America. Oh, the Captain movies. America with the, with yeah. the motorcycle helmet yeah. on. Oh, that's Yeah, it. That's yeah it. that that's a fan made thing. Yeah. That's the, someone basically said, "Hey, let's let's look at if we took all these old TV shows and crossed them over like the current Avengers did, what would it look like? You know, how how cheesy would it be?" But I don't know where that Iron Man. Yeah, was, I'm not comes coming from.
1: up. I'm not coming up with anything. Which is interesting.
0: Yeah, all I've ever found on it is just that clip. I don't know where where it and comes that's
1: from. Horrible! I don't know who whoever came up with that needs to be <laughs> locked, locked away forever. It looks like Bender from Futurama.
0: <laughs> well, it, it's right up there with the rubber ears on the Captain America movies from back yeah, then. True. Well, he
2: had rubber <coughs> he had rubber ears in the '90s movie, right?
0: That too, yeah, yeah, and the 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 best part is the '70s one where the the helmet is the motorcycle helmet, it wasn't so a helmet. so he looks, you know, he looks like his uh, he's got a leader head on him.
2: Yes, and the shield attached to the front of the motorcycle. Yeah, it and it's clear. And,
1: of, of course, looking up this picture, it pulls up all these pictures of that horrible Fantastic Four movie that we. <laughs> <laughs> we want reference.
0: Yeah, we will not mention that. No. <laughs> Mm. That's one of those things. Uh, it, it's just like the the uh, Universal Studios rights for the theme park. You want it to revert back to Marvel <laughs> sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah.
2: Now, as far as the Marvel show, there was the Captain America show, or was that a show, or was it a mini series?
0: The Captain America TV thing. Yes. It, there were two TV movies.
2: Two TV movies. Okay. Yeah,
0: they never actually made a series out of it, and I think it was two different Thank actors. God. <laughs> And then there was the the Doctor Strange pilot movie where he right. looks
1: like he looks like a porn star.
0: It was the 70s. What do you <laughs> want? <laughs> he had to have the 70s porn stash cuz he was well, in the
1: he, 70s. He absolutely did. Uh, and he's wearing these ginormous gold chains like Mr. T. <laughs> uh, it's so yeah. brilliant. It's so brilliant. Then you really have awesome.
0: Spider-Man TV movie that ended up being a, a short-lived series.
2: Right, we're through the net webs at people.
0: Yes, yeah, I, I watched that. That whole thing's on YouTube. The, the is pilot. That it? Oh, I watched that it, because another podcast, the the Supermates podcast, they looked at it and it was the wife. I don't think had ever seen it, and wow, they they ripped it a new one. Then I watched it. Just I I said to myself, it can't be that bad.
1: Never say that because it always hits. <laughs> <laughs> it always hits. it surprised it's me. I mean, you, always you always
0: have sad. the guy with the uh, the reflexes of a spider, and he can't get out of the way of a car driving at two miles an hour.
1: Yeah, <laughs> so uh, I, don't remember, I don't remember much about that. I remember Spider Man being on the Electric Company.
2: Yeah. yeah, I do remember that, and he never talked.
1: No, but he had the thought bubbles, which because he yes. was uh, a he was a comic book character. character.
2: Now, what the other. Marvel Attempted series that I remember. And this one is from the 90s, the Generation X live action
1: show. Ooh,
0: I I missed that one completely.
1: I never saw it, but I I think it lasted an episode or two, and it wasn't very good. It
2: it was just a movie, and it never got picked up. It was uh, whatever that was, mid-90s, when they introduced the Generation X characters. Right. So you had a team of mutant students led by Banshee And
1: jubilee, Uh, yeah, and then you know like it was jubilee. Jubilee
2: skin? No, it was jubilee husk. I'm not even gonna remember now. I gotta look it up.
1: Jubilee husk chamber. Chamber was a weird character because he had like he was missing half his. Face because he blew up or something like that. I don't
2: Yes,
0: yeah,
1: Power This was, is so not Hulk related. But... <laughs> yes.
0: Yeah. Because you guys never go on tangents. Yeah. <laughs> you.
1: I was going to say, this is a complete, you know, for anybody that, that has never listened to our show, this is pretty much what we do.
2: Oh, <laughs> well, we start started talking, talking uh, Marvel, start talking television one properties. And then...
1: We will bring it back around. We always.
0: You should listen to the, the Batman episode I did with the guys from Back to the Bins. Tangents all over the place. <laughs> uh, we, we tied in the, the traveling Wilburys to to, <laughs> to Batman. Batman. Wow. Listen to the episode. It actually
1: I, made sense I'm at the time. Listen to the episode.
2: Uh, I'll have to go and look at that. Okay, the Generation X movie. You had Banshee and Emma Frost. You had Jubilee. You had Skin. You had Mondo.
1: Steve McMichael was in this?
2: Yes. You had M. I don't
1: know any of these characters.
2: Did that, they were like the original Generation X Now, characters. was Judy Dench
0: playing M at that point, or was that still the other?
2: <laughs> <laughs> M was, uh, what was her character's real name? She was a very unusual character. I don't even remember. It was St. Croix something. Monet St. Croix.
0: The fact that you had the guy, Skin, who could stretch his skin out to wrap people up in it, and you're saying that M was a weird character? Wow.
2: (laughs) In the book, she was was this snotty kind of uppity girl that, I forget what her passion, she could fly and she had super strength or something, and then at some point when she got beat up, it turned out that she split and she was really two 12-year-old twins that could combine and form one 18-year-old girl.
0: Now, right. your powers combined.
2: Yes, <laughs> some, some, something odd like that. And, and to wrap the, the whole Generation X thing up, she had a pet monkey. the villain was played by Matt Fuhrer, Max Hedrum. Yeah, oh, that's right. that's okay.
1: That's right. I kind of I kind of remember that now. I don't think I ever saw it, but I kind of remember it.
0: I don't even remember it, and that's probably a good thing.
2: <laughs> yeah, I remember watching. It was on Fox. I remember watching it when it premiered. Yeah, all right. I'm bringing up some of the character they had. Uh, they int- they created some characters for it because uh, Chamber and Penance would have been too hard to do special effects for the show. But that has nothing to do with the Incredible That's just, <laughs> it's absolutely- it just uh, you know what it helps it, it, highlight how good that yeah. Hulk show was. It, it, I was going to say Marvel couldn't get another show off. Up and running for another 30 years after that old show. Yeah,
1: it really does. It really amplifies how good this show was. And as I said earlier, to this day, how well that show held up.
0: Yeah, well, it was really the only successful live-action thing Marvel had until Iron Man. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. You know, Blade was kind of successful, but not... You don't think, you don't necessarily think, you know, when you're thinking Marvel Comics, you don't necessarily think Blade. Right. Um,
2: Blade helped revive the let's do let's make comic book movies again.
0: Right. Yeah, after the whole Batman and Robin. Oh. Yes. She'll not go there. <laughs> well, they killed the industry for yeah. a good, good portion.
2: When they turned it into gay ice capades. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, I'm never going to look at that movie the same way again. Yeah. No, you're not. Actually, I'm just never going to look at that movie that again. Yeah, I, <laughs> oh,
1: man. I refuse I refuse to add it to the collection. I, I just... And I'm kind of... A, when it comes to my DVDs, I'm kind of a completist, but I refuse. I I, <laughs> I I just can't do it.
0: Yeah. Well, the only reason I have The Dark Knight Rises is because I got it for Christmas. I am not buy it. I still haven't watched uh, it. Ugh. But that still has nothing to do with The Incredible Hulk.
2: (laughs) Oh, I just came across another failed Marvel series. (laughs) (laughs) Or attempt at a series. Nick Fury, Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. With David Hasselhoff.
1: Yes. (laughs) Because the Hoff had such a great show in the 80s. And then how could he not have a good show in the 90s? The
2: Hoff had fantastic show. Well, yeah. I mean, at least on that world stage. Right.
0: And they has German singing. Yes.
2: Oh, this is interesting. I just brought up that incredi- that Doctor Strange uh, television movie. Yeah. Jessica Walter from uh, Arrested Development was in that. She played Morgan Le Fay.
0: Ah, that's another movie I have to watch.
2: That's one of the few that I have not seen out of the all the failed Marvel attempts.
0: Most of them, I think, passed me by just simply due to I didn't see them when they were first on and had no interest in any other time they came up.
1: And some of these, if you haven't seen them yet, I highly recommend watching them because they're just that bad.
0: Well, that's kind of part of the impetus of me doing this this series of shows is I want to see these things.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, there was... Uh, there's just so many possibilities out there. Even going all the way back to the the 40s with the serials, like the, the, Batman, the Batman serials, is, yeah. which I have on DVD. I watched the first couple of the, um, what is it, the Electronic Brain, I think, where if if you have the uh, the DC Comics uh, music CD, the 75th anniversary CD, that's one of the Batman songs on there is the opening oh. Nice.
2: I, I I never saw any of those Batman serials. I'm all, I've always been aware of them. I, w- I was always a big fan of the Max Fleischer Superman uh, cartoons oh, yeah. from that
0: point. Yeah, those those are great. And those well, I didn't know until recently. And this is another thing where I don't understand how I didn't know this. But the voice of Superman in those cartoons was the same actor from the radio program, Bud Collier. Okay. You know, so he was doing Superman on both and he he's the guy that came up with because he was on radio, came up with the this is my Clark Kent voice and this is my Superman voice. You know, ah. so it sound and they actually had people writing into the station wanting to know who the other actor was because he was so good at it.
1: And now we're subjected to the Batman voice. <sighs> <laughs>
2: Why it was so important that that Batman voice fought the Bane voice at the in that last movie?
1: So not good. <laughs> so not good. But you know what was good? The Incredible Hulk. Yes, it was. No. Oh. Retros- it's just
2: retrospect on how good that Hulk series was. Yes, it, it, it
1: is, and it's it's so good, and it reminded me. I've been reminded how good it is, even when we're done with this. You know, recording this show, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna finish watching the series. Oh yeah,
2: it's it's, it's a good example of kind of how less is more and you didn't have to go too much with it because it's kind of essentially the fugitive to a point yeah where it's dr richard kimball going from place to place to place trying to prove his innocence and find a one-armed man you know s- slight variations
0: yeah that that was that was kind of a uh, a tv trope back then i mean if you think about it the fugitive kung fu have gun will travel Knight Rider, A-Team, you know, they're, they're all of these are the same thing. Yeah, it's it's wandering a wandering sh- hero, yeah. yeah. they all go where they're needed or where...
1: Wherever fate takes them.
0: Right, and then they, they come in, they deal with the, whatever problem in the Incredible Hulk's case. David Banner hooks up with the most beautiful woman in the town.
1: <laughs> every episode. Every episode.
0: <laughs> to quote Michael Bailey from Views of the Lawn Box, David Banner gets more a- than a toilet seat.
2: But that girl's uncle who raised her is always in over his head. Right. Some local gangster or sheriff. It's kind of like Tom Joad from the Grapes of Wrath. Wherever there's a cop beating a guy, I'll be there. (laughs) You know, he's a wherever there's a crooked circus promoter. (laughs) Yeah, really. I'll be there.
0: And it's just, it's, they were so good at doing that in TV that when it came to this, it was, it was just like the character was tailor made for that kind of storytelling. Yeah. It's funny because it's one of those things I can go back and watch, and nostalgia doesn't do anything for it. It's still such a good show that even someone who didn't really watch it, like my wife. I don't think ever watched it growing up, because it just, it wasn't in her wheelhouse. It wasn't, you know, it didn't have ponies or princesses in it, so she didn't watch it. So, she watches it now when I have it on, and she's impressed with it. You know, she enjoys them, and there's no nostalgia with her at all. Yes, she's a geek, so it helps, you know, she's inclined that way already, but... If it's a bad show, she doesn't hesitate to pipe up. Yeah, oh, that, that was
1: that was kind of I, you know, I was a little little worried that I was gonna, you know, the nostalgia effect was gonna affect my viewing a little bit, but it really it really didn't, you know. Where I went in thinking, you know, remembering the show being good, and it really not is good, not being
2: disappointed, yeah, not
1: being disappointed, not being like, oh wow, this, how could I have watched this as a kid? This was it's like horrible. when you
2: go back and watch He Man. <laughs> <laughs> oh.
1: He-Man is so bad, so bad. I got the Christmas special for a dollar nice. this year. It's, it's on worse. Netflix. <laughs> it's worse than you could imagine.
0: You're going to go demand your money back? Nah. <laughs> That'll be great. Hey, you walk into the store. Ne- I bought this for a dollar. I want my need, money
1: back. We need something for our Christmas episode. <laughs>
0: uh, well I think we've successfully run this topic into the ground so.
1: I think so because so, now we're talking about He-Man Christmas <laughs> <laughs> so why don't you guys tell everyone where they can find you on the interwebs Um, you can find us at the ninjaverse.wordpress.com you can find us at the ninjaverse on Facebook, on Twitter we all have Twitter handles I'm at, at the Chris 76 and what are you at Mike?
2: Mike, Mike? C does tweet
1: and we tweet occasionally. Um, yes, yeah, yeah, that's
2: really participate as much as okay. an avid Twitter user would. Yeah, but um, okay. we're on. We're we're one show a week. We're an occasional horror podcast with our Tales from the Ninjaverse podcast with author Chris Jensen. Where you want to hear some off roading and <laughs> digressing on a story?
1: <laughs> that's the that <laughs> you need to listen though.
2: All right. Well,
0: thank you very much for being on, guys. I appreciate it. It was ball of fun. Yeah. Thanks gotta, sure that was. Huh? Yes. Yeah. We got to yes. do this again sometime. Absolutely. Ooh,
2: we'd love to come back.
0: All right. Well, thank you for listening everyone, and we'll uh, see you next time. Later. Bye everybody. Legends of the Superheroes is a production of the HammerStrikes.com and focuses on examining live-action versions of superheroes. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, please send an email to legends at thehammerstrikes.com. Please look for The Hammer Strikes on Facebook and Google+. Part of the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Network.